You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand down and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the GFR show. This is a special episode featuring me <laughs> as the guest. And I've had an idea to do this episode for a while because I get a ton of questions from people about how I do life. <laughs> Everything from do I have a morning routine and, you know, what do I do for exercise and how do I parent and I don't know, just all kinds of stuff. And I know that there was a time where hearing how other people did life, people that I admired in some way, looked up to in some way, you know, really had a lot of respect for in some way was very influential on me. And I feel like I'm ready to give myself credit for being able to, to do life. Like, I feel like I got some things down that were struggles for a very, very long time. So I also plan to give context as I share some things here so that you know that I maybe was where you are now if you are, you know, looking for a, a way to revamp how you're eating, how you're exercising, how you're navigating family meals, how you're doing weekends or whatever it is that I wind up sharing today. My intention is that you hear something that resonates with you, things that you could take action on pretty easily that could be baby steps for you to make changes and how to give yourself a bit of a reset. You know, GFR commandment number 11 is embrace you're not the same person when you, you were when you made those mistakes and they will not repeat. And the confession question is what past mistakes are causing me self-doubt now? And I just know that there are a ton of things that I really struggled with in the past around just doing life. <laughs> and sometimes things like my relationship to food, exercise, and my body, I had such a 
long and sordid relationship with that it was hard to give myself a reset and kind of come at it a different way without feeling like, oh, here we go again. I tried this before. And I think that most often in order to make changes, we need to really acknowledge I'm not that same person I was when I tried X, Y, Z. I am, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm in a different space. I've learned, I've learned a lot about myself. I, you know, I'm wiser, I'm older. (laughs) So perhaps this episode may also give you permission to revisit some things that you might have given up on or, or even just listening and letting it wash over you and seeing what pops into your awareness around things you may want to try or things that may inspire you to make changes. So I'm not sure what I'm calling this episode yet. And I don't know if it's the care and feeding of Lisa Churney or a day in the life of Lisa Churney or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but (laughs) what got me to turn on the mic and start recording was to share with you how I do a day. And along the way, as I go through sort of the chronology of my day, just to share some insights I have, some things that work for me, recommend some resources, authors, tools, things like that. And take what you like and leave the rest, as they say in the 12-step program, which is a part of my journey. Let's start from the beginning. When I wake up in the morning. (laughs) So I am not a morning person. I enjoy, actually, I kind of get a second wind around sort of like eight, nine o'clock. And now with the new lifestyle that has been created by the COVID journey, I'm not bringing my daughter to high school in the morning, which I had to wake up at six and then get in the car by seven to drop off at high school. I'm now waking up more like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And so it gives me a chance to do more of my morning routine, less of an excuse. But I tell you, even when I was a new mom, I, I started to meditate about It was about 2012. It was the year that I was on my way to my first seven, first and last seven figure year in my business. And I, all of my coping tools and just, I was like outgrowing all my systems. And I was so stressed out and operating at such a high level of intensity and worry and just, you know, stress sometimes I feel like is a, it's a really simple word to, over, it's like an oversimplification of what we can be feeling on any given day that feels overwhelming. And so I was craving vacation. I was like, oh my God, if I could just wish I could, if I wish I could just go on vacation. Because, you know, when we think about vacation, there's a specific feeling or outcome that we are, you know, reaching for. And what I realized was that even if I went on vacation, I don't think I was going to get to the level of peace that I was actually looking for. And so one thing led to another, and I got trained in transcendental meditation. There are TM centers all over the world. You go to tm.org and put in your zip code, and there's a, a TM center near you, and they, for a fee, which I think is well worth it, they will train you, and then you kind of have a lifetime access to tune-ups and training and all kinds of stuff. So- In 2012, I got trained in transcendental meditation. And 
they recommend meditating twice a day, once in the morning and then once in the afternoon, like before dinner. So generally like between three and 6 p.m., which that was an amazing thing to add to my lifestyle. Like what a freaking reboot in the afternoon. And I have to admit that I don't do it as often as I would like. I used to do it religiously and block it off into my schedule. And I don't do that so much partially. Well, I'll talk about that later. So when I wake up, I meditate. <laughs> I go to the bathroom first and come back to bed and I meditate. And it's 20 minutes using transcendental meditation. That's what they teach. And then after that, I usually do some kind of journaling or I read from a, a book that's on my nightstand. I have a collection of sort of like self-help, spiritual type books. I, I don't often read books cover to cover, although I do do it. So I often just flip open a book. It's sort of a spiritual practice that I learned years ago when I was actually uh, learning Course in Miracles. This uh, Course in Miracles is like a Bible looking book. And one of the practices that my teacher taught me was just to do a flip open. So now I do this on books all the time. I flip, I just sort of ask, you know, spirit, universe, God, angels, whatever your belief system is for what is it that I need to know today? What should I start my day off with? And I flip open a book and I'll read that passage. And sometimes I might journal a little bit. I also do, might do some other things depending on if I'm in some kind of course or working with some type of coach or something that's more my own inner game, spiritual stuff. So don't get into business stuff, but I get into just how to connect more deeply for the day. So it could be from 30 minutes, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, depending, but at minimum I meditate. And then sometimes I work out, not all the time because I'm not one of those people that needs to work out in the morning, but I'll just share a little bit about what I do right now to work out. And when I was preparing, I didn't do a lot of preparation to be honest for this <laughs> episode, but when I was preparing, I was thinking, about my sordid relationship with exercise and how it used to be such a should. And I would have like inner agonizing conversations with myself in bed, trying to convince myself to get up and exercise. And it was just always such a struggle. And about 10 years ago, I found Zumba, which is a form of dance and exercise. And it was the first exercise that I ever really enjoyed. It was like an answer to my prayers. If I could just find exercise that I really enjoy. And I don't get to do Zumba or I don't do Zumba. I shouldn't say get to. I don't do Zumba now. I, what I do choose to do for exercise right now, and again, this is being recorded at the time of the pandemic, is that I do a Pilates class twice a week. And before the pandemic, I would do it in person. I really appreciate the reformer um, piece of equipment. And I love the strength, the focus on strength, flexibility, and like conscious connection to our body through breath and awareness of the body through the specific types of movements and core connection. I just love Pilates for multiple reasons. And so I do that twice a week and it's really um, made me so much stronger, less prone to injury. And I do find it uh, pretty meditative and, and not relaxing necessarily, but anything that connects me to my body, I, I find to be, ah, uh, just chills me out. 
I do Pilates two days a week. Generally, that is in the morning if I choose to do that. I also like to walk much more connected to walking and the need for being outdoors during this time in our history. So I walk at least twice a week, if not more. And then I also have a piece of exercise equipment in my house that's sort of like an ellipse type stepper thing. And I may do that a couple times a week. And what's what I find helpful about each of these three different things is the different levels of accountability and flexibility. So I find I have found that to be really key for me. I went through a period of time when I worked out with a trainer, having those appointments really helped me. Some people, they're, they're really great on their own. I find a combination of freedom and structure to be helpful. Obviously with the exercise equipment in my house, I do that whenever I want. And, and taking a walk, so generally that's flexible, except for it's been super hot here in California. And if, unless you're out in the morning or late at night, um, it's, it's pretty hot. <laughs> so I do some form of exercise sometimes in the morning, but not always. And then I will get ready for my day. <laughs> and it's funny because I spend so much of my day now on video calls using Zoom or some other you know, ways that that we do video that I used to, when I started working at home, I used to just love being in sweats with messy hair and no makeup. And then, I don't know, maybe it was like four or five years ago, Zoom ruined my life <laughs> by making me have to be camera ready in some way. Now, for sure, my standards have diminished over the years. And particularly now, I'm in this period of time where pretty much everything is done on video. I, I have my quick routines for getting spruced up. But I know some people will just, you know, get up and get dressed and do their whole thing every day. I don't do that. I really appreciate days that are pajama days. I really appreciate days where I'm not wearing makeup or doing my hair. And so it just depends on what I'm doing that day, how ready I get. And then I also do not eat in the morning. So uh, something that I've been wanting to share here on the show for a while is discovery of, for myself, intermittent fasting as a way of life. Now. Now, my history is that with food and weight and exercise is that I was in Overeaters Anonymous from, uh, I think it was my junior or senior year in college through my early 30s, so for about 15 years. And that was following many years in my youth of kind of yo-yo dieting. And at the time, my mom worked for Weight Watchers when I was young. So that just added to sort of the insanity. And she didn't, she didn't really push it on me or anything, but it's just like when you grow up with something like that in your house, it kind of just makes you more aware of dieting. At the time, it really was focused on a quote unquote diet. And so I, it wasn't until college that I really realized that I was using food as a way to cope with emotions and discomfort and the ups and downs of life. And that's how I now understand addiction to be. Things that we use to, to deal with our emotions. And, and they become an addiction when, as the 12 steps say, our life has become unmanageable because of the thing. And in the case of food, it was obviously impacting my health impacting my, my weight, impacting how I was feeling, my energy, all kinds of stuff. And so 
I was guided to Ovaries Anonymous 12-step program when I was in college, and it really was a savior for me. And it gave me my connection to God, universe, source, my spirituality. I didn't have any of that. I found that through the 12-step program. And, and now, gosh, 12-step programs are so much more accessible online. And so if you ever had any inclination to even check out you know, say you find that you overspend or use shopping, there is Debtors Anonymous. Say you want to quit smoking, there's, you know, uh, I believe there's Nicotine or Nicotine Anonymous or, or, or programs that are focused on smoking. There for sure is Narcotics Anonymous. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is the most famous one. So those that are related to love and relationships and sex, all kinds of stuff. And you get to, you can dabble just by visiting them online. You know, back in the day when I started, there really wasn't much online. You actually had to go to a meeting and, uh, and going to meetings is super powerful. So just a little tangent there with my relationship with food and exercise and my weight that I have really found intermittent fasting to be a long-term lifestyle for me. I've been now doing it for two and a half years. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, intermittent fasting is fasting with that's done within a 24-hour period. So there's a period of fasting and there's a period of, as I learned, calling it feasting within a 24-hour period. And then there is various ways that people choose to feast when they're fasting. And I use, I choose to eat in a keto style or keto like, but not as I call keto crazy. (laughs) So not a strict ketogenic diet, but something that is along those lines that is high fat, moderate protein, low carbohydrate. So I have been fasting pretty consistently, not every day, um, but pretty consistently most days for two and a half years. And I go between fasting around like from anywhere from 16 hours a day to 20 hours a day, sometimes uh, a couple more, but that's just because of like my schedule, whatever. So I don't eat breakfast and I don't eat lunch at the normal time. And so when it comes to like, how do I do my day? And you know, so much of our days is based on food and I have found a lot of freedom from intermittent fasting because basically you do nothing with food most of the day. And then you have a window where is your feasting window. And so it has really healed me from any additional connection that I had around using food, both from a physiological urge to a a psychological urge in, you know, in any way that's not healthy. And so I'm super grateful for that. I feel like a lot of what was going on for me just even in the last couple years was more physiological and that my body's response to insulin fluctuations were, was a big part of what was triggering my struggles. And so with the, without going into a lot of the science, because it's not my deal to explain science, without going into a lot of the science around intermittent fasting and combining it with a keto-like way of eating is that I don't have fluctuations in my insulin. It kind of, it levels me out and I have an energized sense of calm through throughout my day. And I find it to be a really great lifestyle for me. I will share my intermittent fasting mentor 
um, in the show notes for this episode. And the mentor that I found was particularly for women and particularly for aging, which I had trouble identifying with at first, <laughs> but particularly for aging women who are looking to use intermittent fasting to heal hormonal issues. So I really went into it with that intention. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to sleep better. I wanted to level out my mood. And so I found it to be super healing from that aspect. I've I was able to reduce some of my medications, go off some things. And so it's been a huge contributor to, I think, my productivity and my ah, love of myself over the last few years was finding intermittent fasting. But the thing that I think is so important for anybody is just to find what works for you. And if you haven't found it yet, don't stop. It's really worth finding what style of eating and exercise works for you. So I don't eat, <laughs> and then I proceed into my workday. And a couple of things I wanted to share about how I structure my workdays that I have found that I'm sharing a lot lately with my unmentor clients, because in, in my work with people, I hold a space that I call unmentoring, which is a way to help more seasoned entrepreneurs find their own flow in their work, their own way of marketing that feels good to them, and kind of return them to themselves and their expertise and what they know, and release sort of the attachment to doing it in a way that they learned, that they invested money for, and just kind of just finding their own rhythm. And so... That's what the space that I hold for others, and that is what I, I hold for myself. And so in order to do that, the way that I structure my week is that on Monday, I prepare for my week with organizing myself. My productivity system that I use, that I also learned in that year, 2012, when I was on my way to seven figures, is a system called Getting Things Done, and the founder is David Allen. And they have a great website, which we'll put in the show notes as well. And part of their teaching is that you do a weekly review that has a specific structure every week. And I do mine on Mondays. And it took me a while to find my flow. Is it a Sunday night thing? Is it a Friday end of the week thing? And for me, it's Monday. So I do my weekly review on Mondays. I block off my Mondays really for, for that. And sometimes there's some doing that's done, client work that's done on Mondays, but the priority is really that weekly review, which gets my head on straight. And um, I love David Allen's system because, you know, his uh, tagline is stress-free productivity. And his belief and philosophy is that our like brains, our minds are not a place to hold information. It is a place for creativity. And so his whole system is designed to get us so that we're not holding anything in our heads and that it gives, he does free us up. And so I find that if I don't do my weekly review, I start to get feel overwhelmed. I feel kind of scattered and cluttered toward as the week goes on. I start to feel like I don't understand. I don't really have a sense for what's on my plate. I start to get nervous that things are falling through the cracks and I'm missing deadlines. And so doing a weekly review on Monday really helps with that. And so a couple of things that are included in it, but you could totally look it up and check out his weekly review structure is there's, he has a whole system around to-do lists he also suggests that you look ahead in your calendar, you look back in your calendar, and then you do a project review. So I find that super helpful. And on Friday, 
I block off that day for catching up on doing on some of the doing some client work. I try not to book appointments. Sometimes I will record a podcast on a Friday. Although I have, as you may have noticed, I have cut down on the frequency in which we're releasing episodes. So we're doing it every other week now. And that shift was inspired by the stuff going on in the world and me just feeling like I need more space. And even though they say that you should uh, publish weekly, I decided not to care about that and just do what works for me. So uh, sometimes I'll record on Fridays, but most of the time on Friday, I block off for kind of thinking type of stuff or creative type of stuff or just not working at all. So uh, I meet my dad for lunch sometimes on Fridays and I do maybe go to the dentist on a Friday or I go on longer walks on Fridays where I don't have to worry about being back in time. Um, I get to do a yoga class. Sometimes I do yoga and I'll do that on a Friday. So I love to have more freedom on Fridays. And so that has been super helpful when I share that with my clients, particularly the Monday thing, because it's pretty common in my experience now and work in my 21 years of working with mission-based entrepreneurs that Monday could feel overwhelming. The there's just it's just stuff that happens on Monday emotionally that if you don't give yourself a little bit of a runway and you feel like you have to hit the ground running on Monday, it could feel very stressful. And so since you're the boss, <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, you're the boss of your schedule, you get to create a slower on-ramp if you want. And so I love that about my Mondays. And then a new thing that I've done this year, which it's just such a no-brainer, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, is that if there is a holiday on a Monday, then I block off Tuesday to do my weekly review and kind of treat it like a Monday. And uh, so we recently just had Labor Day and I was so grateful <laughs> that on Tuesday I didn't, I had one meeting and then I had like blocked off the rest of the day to do my weekly review and I went up going for a walk in the middle of the day and it just was, I'm just so grateful that the, you know, more sane, smart, you know, higher vibrational Lisa <laughs> planned on that. So I went through the whole year and for every Monday that there was a holiday, I planned, I blocked off Tuesday. So you know, and again, this is, these are things that I learned over my many years as an entrepreneur. My first bunch of years as an entrepreneur, I really struggled with creating my own schedule. And I really struggled with unplugging from the matrix of you have to have lunch at this time and you have to get up and get dressed at this time. And you work from this hour to this hour and, you know, and not feeling productive if I didn't. And, and now I really honor you know, my workflow. And I do now work sometimes at night from like nine to 11 and I love it, but I also have boundaries, you know, and I, maybe that day I didn't work in the afternoon. And I just, I understand that. And I have had experience where it feels like I'm working all the time. So it's important to, if you do give yourself some flexibility, it's just to make sure that you're having plenty of time off. So if you decide to work on a weekend, is that you take some other day off or other time off. So allowing the flow and the freedom, <laughs> but really being mindful uh, because work is another addiction. And uh, workaholism is one of the most widely acceptable addictions because it's really cool to brag about how busy you are and how swamped you are and you know all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of 
a, a zoom out of how I structure my weeks, how I create, how I, so basically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is more of my client work. I'm on podcasts. I, I record my show. I do my unmentor uh, pod calls. Each of my unmentor pods has two calls a month. So I schedule those in there. Everything is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, excuse me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So a couple of things that I want to share is that about how I do my day is I already admitted that I don't do my, I haven't been doing my afternoon meditation, which I, when I do do it, it is amazing. It is like, uh, the only way to describe it is it's like a reset. Like if you find that you can't concentrate as much in the afternoon or your energy dips, I, uh, when I meditate in the afternoon, it is amazing. And sometimes I even close my eyes for five minutes afterwards. It's just, it's, and I have found that it really, it really creates a higher quality of time with my family into dinner and into the evening. So what else do I want to share? I want to share that I uh, generally you know, stop my work day um, at five o'clock. Sometimes it's four o'clock. Um, sometimes it's six, but somewhere in there between four and six. And then move into my evening time. So I have one daughter. If you don't know that about me, I have one daughter. She's 14 right now. Um, she is currently doing school online and she is pretty self-sufficient. And that is a more recent, like within the last year or so thing where she is making sure she eats her breakfast and she cooks herself lunch. And, and then for dinner, I don't cook. Um, <laughs> so everyone's like, well, what do you eat? And it's always, I always find it interesting when I say that I don't cook and people are like, you know, like, like, like you would think that that means that I don't eat. <laughs> no, I do eat. I just not a big uh, cooker. And so what my family has found, and this serves you awesome because maybe you don't cook either or, you know, whatever your situation is, is that, we have days where one of us does cook, so I make pasta or steak or, you know, there's things that I cook and that are in my re repertoire, my limited repertoire. So we have days where we cook as a family now, which is really, really nice. And, you know, like my daughter will do the vegetable, hubby will grill, use the grill pan, I'll do the potato, you know, like that, which is really, really nice. And then we have other days that we call fend <laughs> and it's short for fend for yourself. <laughs> and on those days we just each, sometimes we don't even talk at mealtime. We're just kind of all, you know, watch our TV programs or just completely tune out each other. And it's really, what I find is it's a conscious way of unplugging. So instead of just defaulting into unplug mode, we really acknowledge as a family that sometimes we need to not, we don't want to talk to each other. And then other times we really do, and we're really mindful of it. So I would say like three days a week, we sit down, we talk, we talk about our day, maybe two days a week we fend, and then, you know, we have our weekends. And so that really works for us. And I appreciate the, I appreciate the transparency that we have with each other around what we need at the end of the day. And so that's been even more important now during this period of time because my daughter used to not always be home after school. She was in theater or she was in dance and now we're really doing all meals together. So it's a big, big lifestyle change. And so that brings to me to the end of the day. And I try to not as a habit work in the evening. And when I choose to work, I'm very, I try to be really intentional and conscious about it. And I really enjoy TV y'all. 
and movies and discovered Netflix. I had not had Netflix. I intentionally didn't have Netflix uh, up until really uh, March of 2020 when entertainment options dwindled outside of the home and discovered Netflix. And I, that is my, I think it's funny, the expression guilty pleasure, because I don't really feel guilty about it at all, but um, it is just for kind of referring to it in, with levity and, and fun. It is a guilty pleasure TV and movies for me. And it is really the only way that I would say that I unplug. And even now I, I can only watch so much and then I like need to like connect with the world. And uh, I used to be able to go unconscious longer <laughs> and uh, binge on TV longer. I've been a TiVo user, which was like the original DVR for many, many, many years and always appreciated having things that I want to watch on demand. And so I really uh, happy to chat about TV with anybody, anytime. Uh, hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Let me know what your favorite TV programs are. It's really, it's, it's fun for me. And I have a pretty wide variety of taste from fantasy things to, I don't do a lot of reality, like a housewife kind of race kind of things, you know, big brother type things. I like, you know, more like contests, singing, dancing, those types of reality TV. So that is often how I end my day. And then I make sure that I'm in bed half hour before I want to be sleeping. And then I have an evening routine that I do. When I am, and I don't do this perfectly, yo, okay? I just want to say, like, sometimes I am like on my phone continuing to watch that episode, you know, until my eyes close, but not very often. I I, I will meditate before I go to bed. And I recently discovered, so I have transcendental meditation, but I recently discovered, I think about a year and a half ago, an app called 10% Happier. And I highly recommend this meditation. It's a mindfulness meditation app, and it is really well done. And there's a whole category for mindfulness meditations for helping you go to sleep. And I've really been enjoying those and all different kinds of focuses from gratitude, loving kindness, to body scans, to even letting go of anxiety from the day. So sleep is just one category. They have moving meditations. So there's meditations from when you're driving or running or walking. They even have sections now that are specifically COVID related. They have sections that are specifically racial injustice it's just, it's a really well done platform. They have little talks that are in there as well. They feature specific meditation teachers and they even have coaches in there. So uh, I'm not getting any kind of <laughs> referral fee, but I will put a link in the show notes because I find it fun and you can get little streaks going. And sometimes they have 21 day challenges, which they just did for the summer. And I've given it as a gift to my mom and she really enjoys it. So I will do, often will do uh, a, mindfulness meditation from the sleep section of 10% happier before I go to sleep. I also will flip open a book and do some reading and some uh, journaling. One of the, I think I'll, I'll talk here a little bit about a couple of my favorite current authors in the realm of inner game, spirituality, personal development. So one of my uh, most recent favorite author slash teachers is Tosha Silver. And her thing is surrender. And it's been something that's been a huge part of my own personal curriculum for the last few years. And 
she has these, this way of surrendering. Like she gives you like a tool to surrender. It's called the change me prayer. And she even has a book called change me prayers. And so I have taught myself to write my own change me prayers. And so sometimes if there's something that's stressing me out or that I'm worrying about, I will write my own change me prayer just to have an active way of letting it go and surrendering it or giving it to universe, divine, God, whatever your belief system is. So I've been doing that lately. I also have a journal that I use for my intermittent fasting and I like to keep track of when I first started intermittent fasting, one of the things that I really appreciated about it was that it had me connect more consciously to the way to certain, how eating certain foods made me feel in my body. And um, what I found was when there was a big gap in time, you know, that I wasn't eating, when I did start eating, I immediately knew how something made me feel. So, and I also could track more easily over time how eating certain things on a day-to-day basis made me feel where that was the most frustrating thing before was that I, you know, I kind of thought I was sensitive to gluten, but I wasn't really sure. And it was like more of like, I kind of thought, but you know, it just, you know, when you could take all these sensitivity tests, but to me, how think how my conscious awareness of how eating certain things made me feel in my body to me is the most, is one of the most important things. And so two and a half years ago, when I started intermittent fasting, I started just to write down what I was eating, not in a one cup of this, two almonds like that, because that's the old diet mentality. That's not, that's not me. But it was just sort of in general, I would write down what I ate so that I could see like, if I had gluten, how did it feel? If I had dairy, how did it feel? All kinds of stuff. And so I, for example, I know now that if I eat gluten four days in a row in a significant way, not just like the breading on a something, but like, you know, have a sandwich or something like that. Four days in a row on the fourth day, I will get a headache. I have a a long and sorted history with my body speaking to me through headaches. So I will get a headache on the fourth day. And so, yeah, I started to track it and um, intermittent fasting really helped me connect with that through writing down what I was eating and seeing how it made me feel. And so I still do that. Now it's two and a half years later, I like to write down how long I fasted. I generally write down, um, you know, what I ate and, and any other, also in the beginning of intermittent fasting, I was paying attention to other things that I was feeling like how my sleep was impacted, if I had a headache, if I felt fatigued in the afternoon. And it just was such a, it was transformational in getting connected with just all the things that I would do in my day, including what I would eat and how it would make me feel. And sometimes I feel like we're just, there's just so much, so many variables that it's hard to pinpoint. And so I still do that. It's kind of a fun thing. So I have this little journal that I write. Oh, and I also monitor, I also like to write down uh, my exercise. So if I did a walk that day or Pilates or I just, it's sort of like, I guess it's like my version of checking things off on a to-do list, giving myself credit. And then, so I, that's part of my evening routine as well. And so that is sort of the day in the life of Lisa Cherney with multiple tangents on multiple topics. Um, and I, I hope what I shared adds to your life in some way. And I, I just want to say that at age 49, I'm amazed that I actually feel like I have a a normal, healthy relationship to food 
exercise and my weight, meaning my body, and that I, I just, it's a miracle to me thinking about who I was in my 20s and my 30s, how I so much did not appreciate my curvy body, how much I struggled all the time with thoughts around what I was eating and not eating and how I looked. And, and then I connected exercise to what I was eating. And if I ate this or that, then I would need to exercise. And all of that is completely transformed and I'm so grateful for it. And so if you're anywhere you are in that journey, I just wish you so much blessings for you to be led to what really is works for you and for you to have awareness around the emotional you know, impact or interconnectedness. And it's just, it's such a, it's been such a, a, a learning tool for me. Same thing with my headaches. I never thought I would get to a place. I had migraines that I would get, you know, multiple times um, in a week, sometimes for up to two weeks at a time. And I tried so, so many things from chiropractic to changes in my food to things around light in my eyes. And I mean, it's just, I can go on and on. And I am feeling after really being willing to keep trying, which I know could be so frustrating when you have a chronic condition, to really finding a, a really good place where I am right now hormonally in the way that I'm treating my hormones and aware of that and my exercise and food. And there's so many variables when it comes to headaches. And I've, I, I still get them once in a while, but I could take just over-the-counter medication and they go away, which is a fucking miracle. So uh, whatever your chronic thing is in your body, I wish you patience and love and like that divine, that you're divinely guided to the thing that's going to help you and, and, and patience because I know when it's chronic to hang in there and find the next thing. I can't tell you how many times I gave up on having some big healing around my headaches and how many times I gave up around finding a way that to, you know, a path toward a healthy relationship with food and how many times I gave up on exercise. And there's just so much about that. And so I know that meditation has been a real critical thing for me. And I, I probably, there are many of you that are so sick of hearing about meditating. And if you have some resistance to it, I totally get it. I do recommend Guided and the 10% Happier app and you know, they even have meditation for when you're driving or washing dishes. So uh, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up on your happiness. Don't give up on feeling good in your body. Don't give up on a healthy relationship with any number of things in that you may feel that you have a dysfunctional relationship with now because um, I'm so grateful that I didn't. And if anything I'm sharing today gives you... <sighs> another like boost, boost of juice to get back into, you know, exploring solutions. I'm grateful for that. And if you don't resonate with something I'm sharing, take what you like and leave the rest again. It's a great 12-step slogan. And yeah, so I think I will stop here for now and always appreciate hearing from you Facebook Messenger is a real great way to reach out to me. You can also email me at hey at gfr.life. Those GFR commandments are fucking awesome. If you haven't downloaded them yet, it's going to help you get real about some of these areas that you're tolerating. Of course, that's the first 
confession question of the first commandment, which is don't compromise, is what am I tolerating? And they just go from there into their juiciness. So grab those at gfr.life forward slash 12C. Also at gfr.life is information about working with me as an unmentor and uh, information about the show and past guests and all kinds of good stuff. So ah, thanks for hanging out with me. And thanks for listening to me blab on about how I do life. And uh, I'm going to trust that my inspiration to do this episode means that it's going to serve you in some way. Over and out for now.